Jesus makes the difference. That might sound like an obvious quote or an obvious statement, but we're going to unpack that this morning, that He makes a difference in every aspect of our lives. Good, bad, it doesn't matter. So let's pray. God, thank You so much that I know I am here today as one who would not be standing before these nice people unless You had made a difference in my life. And Lord, I see every day the difference You make in those that are in this congregation today. And so, Lord, as we study Your Word, may we just learn about Your plan for our life. And Lord, if there's someone here today that is just wanting to get some encouragement, Lord, I pray that they see that today would be the day to realize that, Lord, they either need You or they've got You and they need to return to You. Whatever it may be, Lord, may You work through Your Spirit. For it's in Your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be in John 21 today, and our key verse that we're going to kind of zero in on is verse 6. It says, Jesus was talking to them. He says, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. You see, Jesus reminds us from time to time that we need to trust Him with our lives, Because with Him, we can accomplish so much more than we can accomplish in our own strength. Now, this may complicate things at times. It may even uh, make it a little harder. But the truth is, is that in the end, it always comes out better. So today, we're going to take a look at the difference Jesus can make in our lives. And Donna sent me this picture the other day I wanted to show, show to you that I think is pretty appropriate. God, I have a plan for your life. The Holy Spirit, and that's us, hanging on. I've had that look before. But you know what? I'll tell you what. My ride with with Jesus as being my Lord and Savior has been like a roller coaster. Up and down. Exhilarating and scary. At times you feel like you're going to lose your lunch. And at other times, you can't think of any other place you would rather be. So when I was thinking about today's passage of Scripture, I was reminded about going on fishing trips with my father. We would leave the dock and go up the Chesapeake River, of which I'm sure y'all are familiar with. And we would go up that river, and, and I was always amazed at the depth gauge and the fish finder that were on the boat. I just thought it was always neat that at any point in time you could tell how much water was below you. And then the fish finder, I mean, you know, they call it the fish finder, but it's not like it's an exact science. The reason you want the depth finder is because you don't want to get into shallow water to where your boat may get stuck, or even worse, your engine might be hurt and you might have a mechanical failure and being stuck out on a large body of water is not where you want to be it's a helpless feeling isn't it well the thing is is that the fish finder was pretty basic too but if there were a school of fish or some big fish it would it would normally ping or find it but uh, he depended on those instruments to not only get us back and forth to safety but he also depended on those pieces of equipment to give us the most efficient fishing trip that we could. 
Now to anyone who has gone fishing, do I have fishermen in here? Oh yeah, I've got some fishermen. To anyone that's gone fishing, you can agree that there are many tips and tricks to finding fish. But at the end of the day, no matter how many bells and whistles and spinner baits that you have, sometimes it's just good old patience and waiting for that fish to bite. Those elements of patience, work, and dependence upon variables that we have no control over. You see, life is like that a lot of times, isn't it? That you and I can do the best we can to prepare ourselves for what life is going to throw at us. But nine times out of ten, when we do that, we have duties. We have dreams that we hope to accomplish. But in the end, nothing ever really goes exactly as we planned it, does it? Sometimes the mower just won't start. Sometimes your child will get sick. Sometimes the job will fall through. Sometimes the test comes back with a bad result. Or maybe someone does something or responds in a way that you weren't expecting that they would. You see, we all have a plan A. God, this is our plan. This is our plan for our lives. I remember years ago in the leadership realm, the big question was, where do you see yourself in five years? How many of y'all enjoyed that question? I never liked that question because I was trying to figure out where I am now and where I'm going to go and how I can get to today and go tomorrow. Yes, I have dreams. I have plans, but but really I'm learning the, the older I get that it's okay to have dreams because God gives us those dreams. But the thing is, is that when they conflict with what God wants for us, we got to be ready for plan B. Plan A is what we want. Plan B, for those who know Jesus Christ, know that it is much more beneficial to follow plan B if it's God's plan, to get in line with Jesus' plans rather than to keep our own and ask God to bless them. Too many times we say, oh God, this is what I want. Now I'm going to pray you bless it. Who are we to tell God what to bless and what not to bless? He's not here, believe it or not. God is not here to serve you and give you your wants. He does serve you in the sense that He gave His Son so that you would no longer have sin and death and hell to worry about. But it's not about Him serving us. It's about us serving Him. So as we look at our passage today, you may find yourself identifying with the disciples. A group of followers that loved Jesus and they were doing the best they could in a tough situation until Jesus made himself known. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I pray that you make yourself known to us today and your plan known to us today as we celebrate the great commission of taking your gospel message into the world. May we find ways to quit spinning our wheels and to begin to follow your lead. May we be fishers of men. So as we go into the passage today, the first point I want to show you is that we have to do the best we can with what we have. You need to do the best that you can with what you have. We see this in John 21 verses 1 through 5. It says... 
Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, who was nicknamed a twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? They replied, no. As we look at that one section, we see that number one, we serve God by doing what we know. What was Peter by trade before he was called to be a disciple? He was a fisherman. He had skill sets that make him a fisherman and a profitable fisherman because that is how he fed his family. Peter and these disciples went fishing while they waited on Jesus. You see, at this point, the disciples had now returned to Galilee as Jesus had told them to do. This is after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus would have appeared to his disciples a total of three times after his resurrection. This is the last time that he appears before them. And the disciples, they did what they know. They know fishing. That's what they did. And commercial fishing around the Sea of Galilee was very important to the local economy. And so the disciples were fishermen by trade until Jesus changed their job in Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. He changed them from being men who fish to being fishers of men. They may have been near the same spot actually at the Sea of Galilee where Jesus first called them to be disciples two or three years before that. And it says that they were fishing at night. For some reason, for fishermen back in that day, and those of you that are fishermen could probably explain to me why this is, but but for them, the time to go fishing was at night. I guess maybe the fish were asleep and they were hungry for a midnight snack. I don't know. Y'all can tell me later. But the thing is, is that With that, the disciples saw something that we see. Frustrations open our eyes to our limitations. Frustrations open our eyes to our limitations. I find this in my life and I heard many of you talk about it. The older you get, you can't do the things you used to do. Oh my goodness. Donna read an article or I saw an article somewhere to where they said that The older you get, if you work out in a gym, it prolongs your life. I can't lift what I used to lift. I can't go as long as I used to go. But you know what? I'm going to go the best I can. Isn't it frustrating when there's something you used to do you can't do anymore? Or now, an aerobic exercise is bending over and tying your shoes. You find out now you're making noises you didn't used to make. Get up. And you're like, who is this person? Our bodies get older. We do have limitations. There are some things that you cannot do. And the frustrating thing for the fisherman, if you put yourself 
in their situation. This is what they used to do. This was their jam. This is what they knew. And they hadn't caught a fish all stinking night. You want me to show you somebody who is honorary and miserable? You look at a fisherman that hadn't caught anything all night. It's frustrating, isn't it? Maybe this cast will be the one. Maybe if I change my bait. Maybe if I hold my mouth a different way. Maybe this person beside me will quit making so much noise, the fish will bite. I don't know what it may be. But these commercial fishermen back in the day, they weren't just throwing a line and hoping they'd get something. They had these huge nets that sometimes it would take two boats of men just to throw out. And so they would throw out these nets and pull them back in. Can you imagine the frustration of throwing that net out time after time after time? This huge net that takes all of your strength to pull it back in and to get nothing. Hey guys, I thought y'all were professional fishermen. And you haven't caught a thing. It's frustrating when we are not successful at the things we are supposed to be good at. Well, I say it's frustrating because like the disciples, often we go about our day doing what we normally do without any regard for what Jesus wants to do in our life. Without any regard of what Jesus may want to do through us. And the disciples here were not having a Bible study. They were not having a worship service. They were simply making the most of their night by working in hopes of making a little bit of money until they knew what to do next. Some application that we can get from this is, number one, just as God equipped Peter and his gang to be fishermen, God has given each one of you in here some natural gifts. So cruising by on our natural ability is nice, but everyone at some moment will come to find a God-ordained time of frustration. And even the best of men and the best of women have times of frustration when things are not working as they are supposed to. People say you are made by your successes. I say that as a, a bunch of mess. We are defined by our failures. Because we get up and we try again and again and again. Each failure making us better. If you are frustrated this morning because you are struggling in some area of your life, be encouraged. Jesus is just trying to get your attention. Jesus is about to show you his way. And we all should be wise and listen to him. As the story picks up, we see in John 21, 6, as we read a moment ago. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Sometimes we need to fully understand the directions that we are given, don't we? Sometimes we just need God to say plainly, look. Throw the net over here. Do this with your finances. Do this with your relationship. Do this with your devotion time to Him. Sometimes we just need Him to spill it out because communication is key. There were two friends that were going on a road trip to Florida. And a neighbor told them that he'd be fine just as long as they paid close attention to the road signs along the way. 
So they'd driven about 30 miles when they saw one that said, clean restrooms ahead. Two months later, they finally arrived in Florida. They were exhausted, having used up to 86 bottles of Windex, 267 rolls of paper towels, three cases of toilet bowl cleaner, but the restrooms cleaned equaled 450. They read the sign, right? Clean restrooms. You'll, you'll laugh about that later, maybe, I don't know. It took me a minute to laugh about it too, but I thought, what a great illustration. That sometimes God plainly tells us what to do, and then we get our own interpretation of what it is. How do you risk, or how do you, how do you slow down the possibility that you'll get what God says wrong? There's a surefire way. Know His Word. Because God never contradicts himself. Jesus never contradicts yourself. Some of you, God has called you to do something and you're too busy cleaning restrooms rather than doing what he has actually called you to do. He told the disciples, look, throw the nets on the other side. And I'm sure some of the fishermen went, right. What does he know? Yes, he was Jesus. Yes, we saw him do great things, but... But we're the fishermen. Don't be surprised when Jesus asks you to do something that doesn't make any sense at all. I have found in my life that if God is asking me to do something, if Jesus is commanding me to do something, it usually makes no sense in the world. It takes me out of my comfort zone and I can't comprehend how it's going to work out. I just have to do it. One that comes to mind is Jesus when he healed the blind man. Do you remember what he did? He spat in the dirt. He made mud. He put mud on the man's eyes and said, go wash in the pools of Siloam. Now we had seen other healings where Jesus just spoke it. He didn't even have to be there. We had seen him touch a leper when nobody else would touch him. And so now this man, he's telling him to go through all of these steps. I don't understand the directions, but the man obeyed him and he walked away with sight. It says in John 9, 7, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went. He washed and he came back seeing. So why the right side of the boat? Did you know that for fishermen in that day when they went out, that it was customary for them to throw off the left side of the boat? Because on the right side of the boat, you had the, the steering mechanism and you didn't want to get the net caught in your steering mechanism. So they would always go and throw to the left. But yet, here's this guy. They don't even recognize him yet. Some Yahoo on the shore. Hey, throw it on the right side. <laughs> Some of us good, fine Baptists probably wouldn't take kindly to a stranger telling us how to fish. Let alone if we were professional fishermen. But nonetheless, they heard what he said. The nets were large and you would not want to get it caught into the steering of the boat. I want you to see something here. Here's the aha moment. Jesus has perfect knowledge. Jesus knew exactly where the disciples were located because it says Jesus came to them. So here they are along the Sea of Galilee. 
So he knew exactly where the disciples were. Jesus knows exactly where you are today, not just literally, but in your heart as well. Jesus knew exactly what the disciples were doing. Jesus knows exactly what you're doing and not doing. Jesus came to the disciples' aid when they needed him. Folks, they were exhausted. They were humbled. They were tired. They were hungry. They were worn, in the biblical term, they were worn slap out. You've been there. I've been there. Jesus knew where the fish were located. And Jesus knew where they should throw the net. When Jesus asks you and I to do something, we can trust him. Because he has perfect knowledge of us. He has perfect knowledge of our situation. And he has perfect knowledge of where he wants to send us. How prideful and counterproductive is it for you and I not to consult Jesus over our frustrations when he knows our frustrations and already knows how we can get relief? When the Lord directs our efforts, there is no more empty nets. I love in verse 6 it says, So they did. So they did. Hey, throw your net on the other side. They didn't form a committee. They didn't make a Facebook post. They didn't tweet about it. They didn't call their, their phone circle. They didn't check their news program to see what they said about doing that. They just did it. They, like the old Nike phrase, just do it. They did it. So they did. What would happen if you and I, when Jesus told us something, we said, okay, we'll do it. Sometimes we're able to do that. Sometimes we need a little bit more prodding, don't we? The disciples caught more fish than they could handle because the, they did what Jesus told them to do. Let me ask you something. Hang in with me just a second. Do you want to be a better person this morning? Men, you want to be a better spouse? Women, you want to be a better spouse? You want to be a better parent? A better grandparent? Maybe a person of influence at work? A person of influence at church? You will become all that you want to be. Even better yet, you'll be all, you'll become all that Jesus created you to be if you yield to his direction. If he says do it that way, do it that way. The third thing that we see is that trusting Jesus leads to a deeper relationship with him. Trusting Jesus leads to a deeper relationship with him. Verse 7 says, Then the disciples Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. Folks, trusting Jesus means having a love relationship with him, not a religious one. Why did Peter jump out of the boat 
to go to Jesus when he recognized who it was after John told him. It wasn't because he was trying to get a free meal. It wasn't because he wanted to be the first one there and be the teacher's pet. He loved Jesus. That was his friend. That was the one that he saw die and resurrect and that he would end up serving. But yet he ran out of the boat because they had a love relationship, not just a religion. John, the disciple Jesus loved, that's what John called himself, the disciple Jesus loved, knew it was Jesus. How did he know it was Jesus? Because of their relationship. There is no doubt that all 12 disciples, John and Peter, of all the 12, John and Peter shared a special bond with Jesus. At the Mount of Transfiguration, he called Jesus, Jesus called John and Peter to come with him out from the twelve. At the Garden of Gethsemane, he called John and Peter out from the twelve to go a little further with him. Folks, do not make Jesus a religious check mark. Don't just make today about, whoop, I went to church this week, I'm good until next week. Don't make Jesus a religious check mark. Don't say, okay, it's Sunday, I went to church. Don't be the person that says, I went to church today. Maybe that'll keep them off my back. Don't make it, okay, I went to church. Isn't God proud of me and my attendance? Or I went to church today. Don't let, don't other people think that I am so spiritual. Or maybe I'm at church today. All of these things are the wrong reasons for pursuing Jesus. So the question is, how do you deepen your love relationship with Jesus? And I'm going to give you this. This is how you deepen your love relationship with Jesus. But it's also how you can deepen your love relationships with those you love. On this next slide, it shows us how do you deepen your love relationship with Jesus. Number one, like any relationship. Love is not spelled L-O-V-E. It's spelled T-I-M-E. If you love somebody... You're going to spend time with him. My friend, if you are religious and all you give Jesus is one hour a week, that's about all the blessings you're going to get. If you love Jesus, you're going to want to spend time with him. And how do you spend time with Jesus? By reading his word. Sometimes Jesus and I will just have a conversation while I drive to work. Spend time with him. Now, the second thing, if you want to enhance your relationships, your love relationships, learn. Learn more about Jesus. Learn more about your spouse. Learn more about your family. I learned more about my dad in the latter days of my life than I ever learned about him in my younger years. And I wish I, I, wish I would have learned those things longer. The longer I spend my time with my wife Donna, the more I learn about her. Yes, many years ago, we were dating and I was trying to impress her. I still date her. I still try to impress her. And I'm still learning things about her that I didn't know. I'm learning things about people in the church. I'm learning things about the new things, the new people. I'm learning things about the visitors. I'm learning things. These people that we love, we learn because we spend time with them and that we share. Share your dreams, your fears, and your feelings. Some of you that have been here at this church longer than I've been alive, One of the reasons that you're here is because you've been there, you've done that, you've bought the t-shirt, and you have struggled through good times and bad times to still be here today. And it's not about your great resolve, but it's about your great love for Jesus. Also trusting. Bonds are strengthened 
by the fires of adversity. There have been times in my life, literal life and death situations, that I can remember those people that are with me, that are still with me, some even that have passed on and gone. But you know yourself, those friends, those family members, those people that have walked with you through the fires, you have a special bond, don't you? That's just like, I don't know how I could have made it over the past couple of years uh, without Donna being right by my side. And I'm not trying to suck up. It's just the truth. I don't know how I've been able to make it without the love of a praying church, without a staff, or without people that could strengthen me when I was weak. And hopefully at some point, I can do the same with them as well. But why do we do that? It's because we love Jesus. You never know how much more you can love somebody until you go through adversity with them. And then we see, when Jesus calls, we must go to him. The fact that Peter, it says he put his clothes on, just as a side note for you great Baptists, doesn't mean that he was fishing naked. Okay? Can you say that in church? What that meant was, is that when it says he was he was stripped, it meant that he didn't have on all that most people wear at that time. So usually what would happen is they would have these tunics which were these big robes and so obviously if you're a fisherman and you're casting nets you don't want your robe to get caught in the net because you will go over you will get in the net and you will drown so he was putting on his tunic he was getting ready to be there with jesus the important thing is peter put his clothes on and jumped out of the boat to meet him we don't know whether he swam We don't know whether he ran on top of water. All we know that Peter acted on his impulse, which is what Peter always did. Peter was the disciple that would do it and then think about it. As we look at our last passages, 9 through 14 says, when they got there, check this out. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting on them. Where did they come from? Where did the fish come from that were cooking? Jesus made it happen. Verse 10, Bring some of the fish you have just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net had not torn. I want you to understand something we see from verse 9. Jesus does not need our resources. He is God. They found breakfast waiting on them. We do not know whether the Lord caught these fish or whether he obtained them miraculously. All we know is that he was not dependent on the disciples to bring it to him. So this is what it means. Check this out. Jesus does not need you to accomplish his purpose. But he invites you to join him because he loves you and wants to provide for you. That is a love relationship. Is that he doesn't need you, but he wants to include you. Jesus wanted the disciples to recognize the benefit of listening to him. When he says, bring the fish to count them, and there were 153 large fish, the disciples had 153 reasons for trusting Jesus to make the difference 
in their efforts. 153 proof positive reasons that if they would have listened to Jesus, they came home with more fish than they could imagine. 153 reasons. Jesus made the difference between them coming home empty-handed and having more fish than their nets could hold. Here's the question I have for you as we close up. Can you count any benefits or results in your life from trusting Jesus? You may not have 153 fish to count, but you may could look back in your life and see where Jesus was faithful, see where Jesus made a difference. And in those instances, you know that if He made a difference in those days, He will make a difference in today and tomorrow and for the rest of eternity. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change even though we do. Depending on Jesus to make the difference in your life will guarantee you success. I'm not saying that this is a health and wealth message, but I am telling you this. That if you devote your ways to trusting God and depending on Jesus, He will lead you. Jesus reminds us to trust Him with our lives because with Him we can accomplish more than we ever can in our own strength. Now this may complicate things. And this thing, this may change the outcome. But it always is for the better. Jesus equips you to accomplish His purpose. Again, this is the last time that they would see Jesus. Jesus reassured them that He loved them. Jesus proved that He would take care of them. And Jesus restored them to share the gospel. The disciples went on. Peter started the first church. We see the disciples went on to die for what they believed. And I fully believe if he hadn't shown up in this time, they may not have done that. If Jesus has shown up in your life, take advantage of it. If you do not know him as your Savior and Lord, and you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is with you, and he is there to tell you through his Holy Spirit where to put your nets. If you're tired of living life on your own, and if you have messed up, you're jacked up, You've made a mess of everything. Jesus can restore you. He can cleanse you. And He can make you successful for Him. If you just accept Him and ask Him to come into your life as Jesus, the Lord and Savior of your life. If you've never done that, come forward. I will pray with you. We will make sure today that that happens. (coughs) If you don't want to come by yourself, grab somebody's hand. They'll come. Maybe you want to come to the altar. Maybe you want to join the church, whatever it may be. May you come at this time and respond as God leads. Dear Heavenly Father, this time of invitation is for your glory. Lord, if there's any one person here that needs to know you today, may today be the day of their salvation. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?